Welcome listeners to another Saturday review. Today I am reviewing Amazon Prime's new original series, Them. If you have not seen Them yet, it did. All episodes dropped April 9th, 2021. So it's fairly recent, about a month old at this point. There are 10 episodes that vary in length, anywhere from a little over half an hour to uh, roughly an hour. So it could take you a little time to get through this like it did me. I did not binge this show all at once. I um, spread it out over a couple weeks. And I'm going to be talking about that experience, how I watched it, when I watched it. But just to let you know, I will be talking spoilers for them. Honestly, I don't know how I could give you this review without spoilers. So if you don't want the show spoiled for you, there is a lot of twists and turns. Then go watch the show. I will say up front, actually, I need to say this up front. I cannot recommend this show for everyone right off the bat because it is very violent, very disturbing in a lot of areas. And I think a lot of people won't know how to put this show into perspective for what it's trying to shit say and what it is depicting. So that's really why I'm giving you my review. I think there's a lot to talk about here. But if you're not a fan of horror, this show is pretty frightening. And also just be aware this show can be extremely violent and disturbing in a lot of situations. So I really can't recommend this show just for anybody to just go out and watch, especially if you don't know what you're getting yourself into. But as I said, you've been warned, I'm going to be talking spoilers. So Them is a show created by Little Marvin. Little Marvin seems to be fairly new on the scene, but I'm pretty excited to see what else he can do given the reins. It seems like he's uh, produced some other shows before. It stars Deborah. Ayarind, I'm not sure I'm pronouncing her last name correctly, Ashley Thomas, Shahida Wright, Joseph, Allison Pill, Melody Hurd, Ryan Quantin. Oh gosh, I'm not going to pronounce this guy's name right, but he is so creepy in this show. Christopher Heyerdahl. He is the Black Hat Man, or better known as Hiram Epps, who we get to find out towards the very end of the series. Oh, he is so creepy. So them follows a family that moves from the South to Compton, California in the 50s. And they just so happen to move into an all-white neighborhood and all of their not okay, I shouldn't say that. Most of their neighbors are racists and they are bigots and they're really horrible people. Allison Pill is the ringleader. Betty is her name. And I just gotta commend Allison Pill's performance as Betty. She is twisted. There's a little bit of um, Stepford, Stepford Wives here in the show. She is maniacal to the extreme. It's crazy. She is crazy, but she is a fantastic villain in this show. And I got to just say, all around, these performances are just, they knock them out of the park. Ashley Thomas as the dad, he is phenomenal when he goes between loving father and then he kind of has this dark alter ego to himself that is also fueled by not only PTSD from being a soldier in World War II, but also the horrific events that happened to his wife, Lucky. She, his wife is called Lucky. That's kind of her nickname throughout the show. And then he has Ruby Lee as one daughter, and then Gracie is the other daughter. Together, they are the Emery family. So positives for this show is that the production design is phenomenal. The technical aspects are truly incredible. The editing, the sound design, 
Um, the cinematography, my word. I don't know if I've seen, especially a horror TV show ever be this effective. I watched this in bed at night, right before I went to sleep. Probably not the best idea, but it is, I honestly think it is better to watch or read horror things late at night because the atmosphere is just so much there, so much more palpable and present. I'll be honest, listeners, something hasn't got under my skin this much, hasn't been this frightening since I probably read House of Leaves. Um, there's just very few things. It's very hard to scare me. I love horror. I've seen a lot of it. I'm, I'm just not really scared by most of it, but some things really do get under my skin. And this is one of them. You know, listeners, sometime I'll probably make a list of the, you know, books and movies and TV shows now, I should say, that have gotten under my skin. This is the most recent example. I tell you, this is a truly frightening show. It's atmospheric. It's highly effective. The one other thing that I found very interesting about this show is in some ways, I think it portrays these racial situations to the extreme by, I mean, people hang these like colored black dolls around their house. They write things on their lawn. Um, even at the end of the series, they break into their house and torture them. It goes really to the extreme in some situations. And I think that's just for the sake of TV drama. But I will say especially in the earlier episodes, it does give you this feeling of what it would be like to experience, you know, somebody watching you or looking at you different, differently, or maybe making you not feel welcome, just this kind of insidious underside. And I know Jordan Peele did that effectively in Get Out, but I will say this is actually more effective in some ways. So, I got to say this now, I really hope Jordan Peele and little Marvin team up for something. I think they could do something really incredible together because I know a lot of people are probably drawing parallels to us and get out. I mean, one of the characters, the daughter, Ruby Lee, um, Shahida Wright Joseph, she is um, the daughter in Peele's Us. So there is a little bit of crossover there as well. But so just finishing up with how scary this TV show is, I gotta say, there is some haunting imagery. The Tap Dance Man is a fantastic creation for this show to kind of portray this black man in white face covered in black face and how he is this kind of embodiment of the frustrated caricature of what, you know, black people are going through in real life, but also on screen. Um, we even see the characters watching a movie where people are in blackface, which I found to be very interesting. So he is kind of this menacing character. I will say towards the end of the series, he kind of becomes a little bit of a letdown in some ways where he really, the first time you see him is truly frightening. Um, but then he does come out in the open so much more, uh, which I found to be surprising. I brought this up in last Saturday's review of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier about how that show does talk about race in America from the last, I don't know, 60, 70 plus years and up to the present. And I've noticed a pattern. I noticed when 
gay rights was becoming more of a thing, uh, more of an open and accepted thing in society that there was a gay character in almost every TV show that was coming out, whereas that used to not be a thing. There used to really not be a gay character, or if there was, it was very subtle instead of more open. And now I'm noticing a pattern in TV shows where race is a hot topic, and this is definitely a show about race. Does it do anything to better the conversation in America and society? No, it really doesn't do anything to, to better society whatsoever. Um, but I, I really don't think that the little Marvin is trying to create this show to purposely or solely demonize white people because we see, um, there, Betty's husband does not go along with the racial injustice. The real estate agent is booed out of town. At first, she's doing it for bad purposes. Um, she sold the family the house to drive down the value property of the rest of the houses, but then she realizes what she's done is wrong and she is booed out of town herself. So there are some white characters. Even the police chief who does have these kind of bad motives, these are nuanced characters. He is not quite as bad he is still kind of um in cahoots with the real estate agent but there is um, parts of him that aren't totally sold out to these you know cr crazy racist thoughts um the worst of them all aside from betty is probably um pat healy's character marty dixon um i'm sure they named his last name dixon on purpose you know the dixiecrats um the south that comes from that but he is a total psycho, tries to take everything into his own hands. He's crazy. But I think what is most effective about this show is that it's not just about race, but that plays into it as well. I think that it is a fantastic blend of kind of supernatural horror with family horror and then kind of this... Um, kind of this terrifying aspect of what was, what would it be like to be black in the 50s and especially in a place where you know you're not accepted one of the most haunting scenes in this tv so tv series is when ruby lee wishes to be white she's the only black girl at her school and she finds a can of white paint she is being kind of demonically led into this and she paint she paints her whole entire body white and she goes out for the football game for this cheer practice and she's doing the cheers and she's covered in white paint. Um, the actual execution wasn't as great as the prospect of it. Um, when she first is looking at her hand dipped in white paint, oh my gosh, it is really unnerving. I will say one of the other disappointing aspects is Betty's demise. She kind of falls in love with the milkman, George Bell, played by Ryan Quantin, and she goes to him. He traps her in a bunker because he actually is has this fanatical fascination with her. He traps her there, but he lets her escape after she sticks a corkscrew in his neck, but then he ultimately shoots her dead in the back, seemingly dead as far as we can tell, and that's really the end of her story. We also come to find out that her husband is very likely gay. He just ultimately leaves the neighborhood and washes his hands of the whole situation because not only is his neighbor, Marty, um, a racist, but he is also homophobic and he, he calls him a homophobic slur. So 
I will say the way those character arcs end aren't great. I felt like that was a bit of a letdown, and I'm not really quite sure what we're supposed to take from that. Uh, it was kind of weird. Now, one of the things that I've actually been itching to talk about with this show is its usage of Christianity. Now, at first, I was really worried that um, they were going to... It's no surprise that Christianity is, you know, kind of a soft target. People love to hate on it in a lot of modern day TV shows. And this one, I was worried it was just going to be another just hate on Christians just cause, just because we're going to twist scripture around to our own usage. Well, that's actually not the case. So in co episode um, Covenant 2, you come to find out that the Black Hat Man, Hiram Epps, he is supposedly, you know, speaking with God, reading scripture, and um, he is actually manipulated by Satan, who comes in the form of a child, to, um, and I should say that this movie also draws heavy inspiration from Poltergeist, heavy inspiration from Poltergeist, at least Poltergeist 2, I would say, um, especially the Black Hat Man. So he comes to find out that according to scripture, black people should be subjected as slaves, but the black woman that they are torturing, she says, I don't know how the, I don't know how the Bible just doesn't burst into flames at the sound of your evil speech. And all of a sudden the Bible does burst into flames, um, because it is holy and he is so unholy. And then, uh, he basically sells his soul to Satan. The little boy says, um, I have talked to you when he has been silent. And I found that to be very fascinating how um, this supposed man of God has been tricked by Satan. And we know that Satan uses scripture as well to um, trick those who are not, or not trick them, at least to manipulate them, uh, those who are willing to be manipulated. So I found that to be entirely fascinating how deep the kind of, I don't even know, theology or mythology goes in this TV show. Wasn't expecting that at all. The show takes a lot of twists and turns. Um, Gracie's nemesis she has to overcome at the end is Miss Vera. I found I found that to be very weak. Uh, Miss Vera is entirely frightening, but her demise is just kind of silly. But in a way, I guess I kind of like it because Ruby, or excuse me, Gracie has to defeat Miss Vera on a childhood level. And that's exactly what she does by ripping up the pages in her book. Um, and I really was excited when Lucky escapes the institution that she's put in and she comes to her home and saves her family from all of this horrible manipulation that these demonic forces are impressing upon them. When Henry is being told by the tap dance man to kind of give in to all of the horrible things that the white people think about him. And he's like, if that's what they think, then you might as well just prove them right and just kill them all, destroy them all. Um, it's a really crazy moment, but it is really powerful when Lucky, who is such a, uh, in a way, she's such a flawed character with so many so many things that have gone horrible in her life and she kind of says don't give in to the hate let's just band together as a family so that's one of the things i really loved about this show is that this family bands bands together they don't separate they don't split apart they are able able to overcome evil by you know they need their daddy is what she says and especially since that is such 
a big issue, I really was appreciative of little Marvin addressing that in today's society. It's a very big issue that um, black fathers are absent in the home. And this portrays that these girls need their dad. He needs to be the leader of the household and help them out. And the way it ends is probably almost perfect. Uh, it's a fantastic ending. But like I did say earlier, I'm worried a lot of people won't be able to put this TV show into perspective, that it does take place in the 50s, that there are these supernatural demonic elements to it as well. I'm worried people won't be able to put this into perspective and they'll try and drop these one-to-one -one parallels to modern day, despite this show taking place over 70 years ago. Um, I really don't think you need to be drawing those parallels. I think you need to be just watching the show for what it is as this very scary supernatural horror show with these racial overtones about what would it be like to live in the 50s in an all-white neighborhood. And I think everything is kind of overblown just to drive home those emotions even more, just to make you make sure you feel those emotions. I personally thought them was fantastic. I can't wait to see what little Marvin does next. Um, I will say I think he probably could have tamped down on some of the violence. It, it does get very, very disturbing in a lot of areas. Um, also a little bit of uh, Toni Morrison's Beloved, particularly with um, Lucky's flashback when you come to find out her tragic story. Definitely saw a little bit of that in there as well. So listeners, have you seen them? I know this review went on longer than usual, but I had a lot to say about it. I probably forgot some stuff and missed some stuff. So let's keep the conversation going. No matter where you're at, make sure to comment your thoughts if you've seen them, if you're curious to see them, if I changed your mind, if uh, maybe, I, maybe I scared you off by telling you how um, heavy this TV show is. And it's really not for everyone, but there, this is a really fantastic creation. Um, if it ever releases on physical media, I'm definitely going to add it to my collection. It is frightening to say the least, and I don't get scared easily, but wow, is it frightening. Performances are solid. Um, cinematography, the sound design is, is really fantastic as well. It is 10 episodes. It takes place over 10 days. I should mention that as well. So I really think... I really think they did something really great here. Um, I was hoping it's got a 7.2 on IMDb. I was hoping to see something a little higher, but I know this is a divisive show um, for critics and audiences alike. And I think that's probably to be expected. It's definitely not as mainstream as um, a Jordan Peele movie. This is, like I said, far more intense and pointed. And I guess he can do that because it's on uh, TV. It's not doesn't have to go through the MPA ratings. I am giving them eight stars out of 10 with a strong recommend. As long as you're able to put the show into perspective and it, like I said, it is disturbing. So I can't recommend it for everybody, but otherwise my personal rating, eight out of 10. Well, listeners, let me know what you think of them. I'm very curious to know. Also make sure to subscribe to the podcast because in just two days on Monday, Alan and I will be releasing our review for August 32nd on Earth, the first installment in our Denis Villeneuve movie review series. So we are kicking that off. We technically have already reviewed Blade Runner 2049 and Prisoners. Those are Denis Villeneuve films. So if you're just, you can't wait to hear our thoughts on those, those reviews are available. At least Blade Runner is Prisoners will actually be made available later in the year. 
but you're not going to want to miss those. Like I said, last Saturday, I reviewed the Falcon and Winter Soldier link to that along with all the other Saturday reviews. Saturday reviews are always brand new movies, movies that and TV shows now, I should say, that have come out in 2021. Um, these are shorter than the Monday reviews, which are a lot longer. And then, of course, on Thursday, we always give you a guide to the review for the movie that is coming out the following Monday. So, listeners, thank you for joining me on this extra long review of them. I just had a lot to say. There's a lot to unpack with this TV show. I'm curious to know what you think. Uh, very curious to know what you think. So make sure to let me know and we'll see you on Monday, listeners. The Silver Screen Guide podcast is edited and produced by Alan and Corbin. Intro and outro music is created by Thomas Rankin. The thoughts and opinions herein expressed are those of the individual and do not necessarily represent those held by Silver Screen Guide. Silver Screen Guide is not affiliated with any company or individual involved with the creation of this movie or TV show. No portion of the podcast may be used without express written permission from Silver Screen Guide.